Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we speak to higher education thought leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of this industry and pick their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. I'm Amr Dalawalia, the Editor-in-Chief of The Evolution and host of Illumination by Modern Campus. On today's episode, I chat with Ian Allen, the Executive Director of the College of Extended Learning at the University of New Brunswick. Ian chats about the evolving role continuing online and professional education divisions must play in an increasingly complex higher education ecosystem, and we chat a little bit about the chapter we co-authored for the Handbook of Online Learning and Higher Education, available now through any book retailer. Ian, thanks so much for joining me. Welcome to the uh, Illumination podcast. Thanks, Amrit. It's great to be here. So, uh, you know, it's funny, Ian and I are a perfect example of, uh, of folks uh, meeting in the higher ed space because, you know, you never necessarily have a good roadmap for the folks that you're going to become friends with. So for Ian and I, um, we both, we met on the conference circuit. We met at the uh, Association Continuing Higher Ed Conference in, in Den, no, in Rhode Island, uh, you know, uh, in 2017 or 2018. And we met because we both got caught on the same rebooked flight and didn't know we'd been rebooked on it until 24 hours prior. You know, this is yeah, I, one of those things. That, <laughs> that was one of those experiences where the plane was either going to leave without us um, or we were going to be on it a day early. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's family. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's the way it goes. And, and over, over the last few years, obviously, uh, you know, Ian's been a, a huge supporter of the evolution. In fact, you know, we collaborated on a, on a chapter that's been published recently in the, uh, the guide, the handbook for online learning, uh, which, by the way, if you haven't bought it yet, uh, go to Amazon, search the handbook for online learning, check it out. The chapter that we worked on really looks at the role of continuing education in helping colleges and universities set an agenda and a pathway for how they're going to approach online learning. And, and our position on the topic is basically, it's quite simple. It's that continuing ed divisions have been doing this work for decades. So rather than reinventing the wheel, the continuing ed unit should really be the, 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 the starting point, the engine for any institution's online strategy. And at UNB, that's exactly the work that you and your team are doing now. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. And we've yeah. been doing this forever. Um, the changes in terminology over the last couple of years have kind of been funny um, from a lot of us that have, you know, been in this space for a long time. And for me, it's been, you know, over 20 years um, just to sort of hear something renamed or rebranded, whether it's micro credential or upskilling and reskilling. It's like, that's what we've always been doing. So it's not a lot of change for us, but it's a lot of it has, um, you know, really to do with getting the universities themselves on board so that they understand how we can play in this marketplace um, and, you know, create learners for life. Absolutely. And that's, you know, they say everything old is new again. Let's, but let's dive into that a little bit because, you know, so much of the interest is really coming from this call it lack of ennui, this, this welcome moment for universities where they recognize that their audience that they're serving isn't just, you know, 17 or 18 year olds fresh out of high school looking for a four-year residential experience. While colleges have been aware of this for, for arguably decades, for universities, it's, it, you know, really we're seeing higher ed institutions waking up to the need to serve adult and online non-traditional learners. Why is this something that, that university leaders are starting to recognize the need for? Um, 
Well, it's, it's a really good question. Um, so universities, to your point, have traditionally marketed um, to high school, that high school uh, graduate demographic. Um, oftentimes promoting the school itself as much as the type of programs that we offer, that demographic in many areas is shrinking uh, and the market for those learners is really competitive. The goal has always been to, to get these students here for two to four years. Um, if it's a graduate student, you know, maybe a little bit longer, graduate them and then send them out the door, um, you know, off to their careers or back to wherever they came from. Continuing education environments such as mine, we want those learners for their entire life cycle. Um, we want to be able to provide them with on-demand skills and knowledge as they, you know, progress through their careers or if they actually decide to change their career path. Universities are now starting to, to realize that serving adult students, part-time students and non-traditional learners is really a continuation of a career life cycle that started with them in the first place. They, they just didn't, you know, work very hard to maintain that. You know, it's interesting, too, because as, as you start to, to serve new audiences and, you know, spoiler alert for those of you who do buy the, the handbook for online learning, this is the, the nature and the crux of Ian's vignette in our chapter, which is very much around, you know, how can higher ed institutions pivot to make sure they're delivering the experience that these learners expect? How does the shift towards lifelong education start to change the approach that universities take to building relationships with their learners and, and more importantly, in some cases, their alumni? Yeah, well, and, and, you know, traditionally, we've spent thousands of dollars to get these learners in the first place. Mm -hmm. We don't do a whole lot to, to maintain that relationship after, after they've gone. I think the university alumni associations are now beginning to realize that they need to expand their thinking beyond traditional view of alumni. Um, Non-credit professional learners, they see themselves as alumni as well. We hear it all the time. And we need to start treating them as such. Um, from a financial perspective, this is the market that has com been completely overlooked until, you know, just, just till recently. Um, and that's something that we need to tap into because these are the folks that we can maintain a relationship with for the next 15, 20, 30, 40 years. Um, you know, people don't, don't stop learning. And we've got to be responsive to what their needs are. Alumni need to be able to look at that in associations as well to say, hey, you're as important member of our family, of our university family, as those that are 22 or 23 years old and just finishing up an undergraduate degree. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, to your point, these are there's the capacity to build lifelong relationships with folks that right now it's, it's sort of two or four years and then you're, you're a piggy bank. But for, for these individuals, you know, brand recognition is super important. If they have an ongoing learning need, their first thought is going to be, well, I've been to a university. Why wouldn't I see what they have? So, you know, from your perspective, and I know I'm taking this off the track a little bit, but, but I'm just interested in, in how you, how you design a marketing campaign specifically for an audience that's already aware of your brand, but is it more challenging to your mind to get alumni bought into the idea of doing lifelong learning with the institution? Or is there sort of, is there something that, that we're just not missed that we're just not seeing here? Um, well, I mean, we've known it for a long time. Um, you know, it, it's a very market driven um, situation out there where it's not just learners looking for ways to stay on top of their game as far as their careers go. 
mm-hmm. um, but also employers. Employers are, are, you know, looking to universities, colleges, and, and others to be able to upskill and reskill. And, and, and I know that's becoming an overused term these days, um, but it is important, um, you know, for universities to be on top of what's needed in the marketplace. Um, there are certain, you know, there are certain things that kind of ebb and flow over time, project management, change management. You know, we often joke every time we see a change in government, we're going to see change management courses, you know, the enrollments go up. And, and that's, that's not going to change, I don't think. That, that will, you know, remain cyclical. But then there, there are other areas, you know, especially in high-tech, cybersecurity, um, you know, full-stack web development. These are, these are the type of programs that universities need to be responsive to. And it doesn't mean reinventing the wheel. Oftentimes it means creating partnerships. And that's something that I think is new from a university perspective as well. Not necessarily from a continuing ed perspective, because again, we've been doing that for a long time. Um, but it is it is sort of changing the broader mindset of, of institutions as a whole. For sure. And it also requires a, a broader recognition of the expertise that continuing ed brings to the table. You know, I think for, for a lot of folks on, on main campus, they might just be now waking up to the fact that they don't have to build this stuff from scratch. It doesn't have to be reinventing the wheel, that there's a department on campus designed specifically to build market responsive programming. So, Correct. you know, to your mind, as you think about those partnerships, as you think about those, those efforts to create market responsive programming by leveraging elite faculty from the main campus, are, are you finding it easier now than before to, to create those partnerships? Or is there still an, an understanding gap that you need to cross? Um, it, it is getting better. So, you know, t- to, to that point, um, we, we are seeing faculties approach us um, much more frequently than we have in the past. And in fact, in the past, it was usually us reaching out to them to say, hey, um, are you interested in doing this? This is what we're hearing. This is the, the research that we've conducted. And there's there's a market for this. Um, unfortunately, you know, it, unfortunately and fortunately, universities are very traditional institutions. Speaking, you know, from my own perspective and, you know, working with the oldest English university in the country, um, change doesn't happen overnight. And the processes, you know, on the academic side of things are are sometimes cumbersome. We're very quick to market in what we do. Um, and oftentimes, you know, we've, we've heard from faculties that, hey, we'd love to, to, to do this with you. We don't have, A, the resources or B, um, basically the bench strength in order to make that happen. So you folks go ahead and do it on your own. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because for us, when a program runs its life cycle, oftentimes it's much easier for a continuing ed unit to be able to, I guess, wind that down uh, to a point where we're no longer offering it. When you're looking at an academic program, that process is much more involved um, and happens over a much longer period of time. So, there's still lots of opportunity, um, you know, to, to do things with uh, the academic side of the, of the house. And we are seeing it, um, you know, especially professional faculties like business, um, nursing, engineering, 
And, you know, hopefully that will continue, but it, it, it is work uh, and effort on, on both sides and in order to make it happen. Absolutely. And by the way, for anyone who's doubting the historical cred at the University of New Brunswick, it's founded in 1785. Uh, so just, yeah. just putting that out there, I know Ian wouldn't boast about it, but <laughs> I'll give him space. So, you know, we're, we're shifting here. We're shifting from a traditional model of, of delivering, you know, learning to very specified, very specific learner groups, right or not. Right. There is a very specific approach that, that the traditional university takes to engage the learners that it thinks is coming through the door. As we shift to a lifelong model, as we shift to an, an environment that is more modular, that's more responsive, where main campus faculties are partnering with the divisions like yours to serve new audiences in new ways with new kinds of programming. How does that start to change the service and support structure that's offered by most universities to make sure that these learners are actually being engaged and cared for? Yeah, well, um, you know, it's 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 extremely important. Um, the shift towards engaging students for a lifetime forces universities to become much more client centric. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, oftentimes when I refer to them as clients, it it makes people kind of bristle a little bit when they come from the academic side of things. But at the end of the day, that's what they are. Um, and it's, it's also having the appropriate systems in place for guiding these students um, for, you know, registration and payment. They do want that Amazon approach and having learning management systems. But it's also ensuring that there are support mechanisms in place should, should learners have difficulty along the way. And, and we see that a fair bit. And, and that involves not just systems, it involves people. Um, to make sure that they're reaching out to these students, that they're they're staying on track, because they're usually juggling a whole lot of other things besides just taking courses or programs. And non-traditional and professional students have a, a really high expectation when it comes to the quality of the courses and programs, but also their interactions with our systems and our people. So rightly so, they're they're paying consumers. They want to be treated as such when it comes to their interactions with us. And especially if we want them to be repeat clients or customers, we want them to come back. So all of these pieces are essential for a positive, you know, learning experience and them being pleased with the outcomes of of what we've been able to offer them. For sure. And you just made a really interesting point about the nature of sort of efficiency and effectiveness in in a post-secondary environment. And I want to touch on it a little bit because I think it's something that gets overlooked really frequently. There's this expectation that either technology is going to be the whole answer for everything an institution needs to do, or it'll be, you know, it's something that's unnecessary because you can tackle the same things with human effort. What I think I heard you say is that by leveraging technology, you're able to position your staff to do that very human specific work, right? So it's almost, it's a both end situation. Well, and that's exactly it. Um, You know, Traditional university systems, whether it's registration systems or otherwise, are not necessarily geared um, for continuous transactions, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So it's a one and done deal. Give us your money, you know, four times a year or eight times or, you know, um, and, and, and that's all there is to it. When it comes to the continuing ed side of things, the systems are facilitators, but there are still individuals that are behind the scenes. The easier we can make the transition from the time that they're clicking on our website 
till the time that they're actually enrolled in a course. It does free up individuals um, so that there is more time to provide that support. Some of our programs, and, and it's in our best interest to see somebody succeed. Yeah. And I, I could be, you know, um, coming from a purely selfish perspective, um, those, you know, those folks that get through our courses and programs, you know, mean uh, additional revenues for us. So the more we can get them through and get them into the next course or program, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. the way we do things. They're getting served in a, in a way that works really well for them. And for us, we have usually a, a student for life. Um, we don't always have everything that they're looking for, but our hope is that at least they check with us first because yeah. there is still that regional, you know, perspective and that regional, um, you know, uh, I guess, allegiance to whatever school is closest to you. Um, and, and that's great, but we don't always have everything they're looking for. And in our best interest, if we can re- recommend it, to, you know, them to, to go somewhere else, we're still serving their needs. So. Absolutely. I mean, it, it kind of comes back to this idea of, you know, what is a true six-year curriculum? What is the new goal for a post-secondary institution? And, and we need to, as an industry, start to get away from this thought of, you know, the institution is the gatekeeper of knowledge. It's the only provider of knowledge and no, nowhere else can you access knowledge but the institution. And instead, you know, the institution is really taking on this new role as a facilitator of an individual's lifelong learning. It's, look, if we have the, the program for you, whether we built it ourselves or whether we're partnering with someone else to provide it or whether it's, you know, something that we're adding context to, we're going to provide you as much as we can here. But more importantly, we're going to advise you so that you can make the the steps and the learning steps you need to take to get to the outcome that you have in mind. And we're going to help you actually figure out what that outcome looks like. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly true. So as we think about that vision, right, because it's a, it's a very unique vision for, for like a facilitator of lifelong learning as opposed to a gatekeeper of knowledge. What role can professional continuing and online education divisions play in helping colleges and universities reorient themselves to that very new role, that very new learner life cycle that they're serving? Um, well, it's a, it's a really good uh, perspective in that continuing ed units uh, play that crucial role in helping universities rethink their relationship with students. Um, sometimes it's as easy as actually working with continuing ed units, again, to our earlier point, and appreciating the level of effort that goes into, you know, creating that relationship and maintaining it through the full learner life cycle. Um, professional learners want to have options and flexibility when it comes to choosing their programs. Um, they want, you know, uh, options that are geared towards their specific needs rather than what a university prescribes that they should take. Mm-hmm. Um How they learn and where they learn is important as well. So whether it's a choice of taking the program online um, or, you know, especially these days, um, but for those that really are looking forward to that social aspect, it's it's having those options to to do things face-to-face as well. Um, But also, you know, looking at asynchronous options that allow them to complete courses and programs um, that, that fit around and within their busy work and home life. I think traditional thinking has been that universities do X, colleges and polytechnics do Y, and private institutions do Z. It's not the case anymore. Um, more and more schools are, are offering a broad spectrum of programs based on market demand. Um, and as I said earlier, it's, it's a very competitive marketplace for learners 
and employers' dollars. So universities really need to embrace the model that continuing ed units have been using for years. Um, learners don't just show up at the door. You need to work hard to bring them in um, and probably harder to retain them for their entire learning life cycle. We've kind of set the standard or the benchmark, I think, um, in, in continuing ed units for the university as a whole. They need to sort of follow our lead. There's no sense in reinventing things um, in, in sort of their vision of how things should be. We, we kind of already have the template for that. But again, it's being relevant and responsive to, you know, what these learners are looking for, not just now, but making sure that you're staying on top of what market trends are and looking at serving their needs into the future as well. Absolutely. But Ian, I mean, that pretty much does it on my end. Is there anything you'd like to add about what it's going to take to stay competitive for post-secondary institutions in, in what is sort of a very, very fierce market that, that they're now operating in? Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, as, as long as uh, university continuing ed units um, operate with that mindset or that, that um, belief that good quality programming, flexibility, a high level of client service or customer service, that will keep people coming back. But you've got to be agile. You've got to be able to, to switch gears to say, this is what we're seeing coming down the road in, a, in another you know, 12, 18 months. We need to be responsive. And again, back to my earlier point, it's like, there's no way we can do it. So who can I work with in order to make that happen and still be able to serve my marketplace um, and potentially, you know, serve another marketplace as well. I think that will be the future. And, and that's where university continuing ed units um, are thriving is those that create relationships and partnerships with other schools um, to broaden your, you know, basically your, your, your menu list, so to speak, of, of programs and offerings. Um, because again, um, those students that have gone through courses and programs with one specific institution, there is, you know, that loyalty um, to a certain extent. They will come back to you first. And if you're able to provide them with what they're looking for, then that's a good day for everybody. Absolutely. Ian, thanks so much for taking the time out to join us on the uh, Illumination podcast today. You're very welcome, Emmer. This has been great. A lot of fun. I love talking about this stuff. This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with The Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learning engagement platform, Modern Campus supports every corner of the modern institution, from continuing in workforce education, to student affairs, to the registrar's office, to marketing and IT. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of the modern learner, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.